Welcome to the Zen Stoic Podcast, where we take philosophies of Zen and Stoicism that have been helping people for thousands of years, and we bring them into modern discussions to create mental wellness and vitality. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Zen Stoic Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Pierantoni. Here I have a special guest with me today. I have Andrew Kirby, who is a YouTuber that talks about Stoicism, and he has, what is it, over 100 videos on the topic. 300. 300. Okay. So I was, <laughs> I, I was way off. <laughs> Very cool. So obviously that's a lot of videos. You've dug a lot into this. So tell me for, first and foremost, before we even get started, anything that you want the audience to know about you or how you got started in this? Um, to be honest, completely frank, completely transparent. I had a little bit of an interest in stoicism. I'd watched a few videos about it. And then I decided that I wanted to go into uh, an online creator. I wanted to start a YouTube channel. Yes. I was interested in Stoicism, but at that point, I was by no means an expert or by no means had read all the different literature. Yes. I decided that was something that I knew that I'd be able to do for a long period of time. I recognized the power of it, and I recognized how powerful it was in changing people's life. And that was when I started pursuing it as a, as a, as a knowledge, trying to learn everything I could about the topic. Yes. And... What initially drew you in with Stoicism? Like, why, what, what was that moment that you're like, you know what, this is the thing that I need to kind of start studying or, or reading up on? What was the, that, that moment for you? Yeah, I feel like when I started getting into it, I'd gone through a long period of my life where I was procrastinating. I, I wanted to reach my potential, but I was unable to do it. And when I recognized that Stoicism was now being used for cognitive behavioral therapy, one of the most the leading therapy, and I recognized that I could use Stoicism to control my emotions and to get yes. myself to the things I know I should be doing, that was when I realized, hold on a second, this is powerful stuff. If I learn this, then I'll be able to do a lot of things in the future. And to be fair to Stoicism, it's delivered on those promises. Absolutely. I mean, I, I haven't been doing it uh, for super long. I think it's, it's been about two years for me, right? And I started off really basic, really surface level, almost by accident with the Daily Stoic, just reading right. those entries every single day and journaling, right? I have a whole like year's worth of journals. But after that year, I realized that my whole mentality completely changed just from those, that surface level of Stoicism. So I was like, you know what? I really need to dive into this. And for, for you as a student, right? Because I know you're 19, which to me blows me away because I didn't start this journey on self-improvement until I was 21. I thought I was young, but you've clearly started pretty early, which is amazing. How have you, I, I know obviously people look at you and they think that you're young. How have you dealt with that in the past to, to still be able to help people if they've ever made any kind of you know, complaint or anything or, or questioned your credibility? Yeah, for me, uh, it's kind of like I've made a transformation in my life from procrastinating to not procrastinating yeah. so much. So I promise people that transformation and I just make sure I'm not promising people stuff that I don't know. Now, I am lucky the fact that I'm using the philosophy of Stoicism because in a way, people trust the philosophy of Stoicism more than they trust me. Yes. So if I'm taking the philosophy of Stoicism concepts and distilling it down into a way that people enjoy consuming, then in a sense, there's kind of a positioning from the philosophy of Stoicism so yes. that people kind of look past, the part, look past the parts that I'm young. But also, I feel like I've proven through my consistency on my YouTube channel and from the stuff that I've done and I, I've shown on my YouTube channel that there is some stuff there that other people can learn from. Yes. 
Most definitely. So, so in other words, you always talk about what you've experienced and what you actually know that you can help somebody with, what you have that certainty, uh, which is which is pretty amazing because even somebody who is, you know, a professional who's been doing whatever their their profession is for several years doesn't mean that they're, you know, controlling their emotions properly or that they're not procrastinating, which is something that you, in, in essence, hyper-focused on to make sure that you're able to not just help yourself, but now at this point, be able to help others through yeah. the, the program that you do. You do one on journaling, which I, I have recently purchased, so I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> uh, but for for this this particular interview, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, and actually it's the video that initially showed me who you were was your 28 days living what Marcus Aurelius's routine, or at least what you assumed his routine would be. And so I'm curious as to one, why did you start that? Because, you know, it's, it's very unique approach. So I'm really curious as to why you started it and two, what impact did it have on your life? Okay. So I think the first thing was after studying Marcus Aurelius and studying how he coped with being the Roman emperor and all the pressures he went with going in war and all of the people that were betraying him, I recognized that through his meditations, he is someone that I would look up to as a role model. Mm -hmm. And when I recognized that he was someone who had the emotional control and managed to conduct himself in a way that I would like to conduct myself, I decided to put my, what's the phrase? Put my words where my mouth, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Put your, whatever, one of those. <laughs> whatever the phrase is. I decided to just go ahead and, and do what I practice, what I preach, I guess, yes. is, the, is the phrase. So I decided to take it upon myself to go about in a way that I felt like Marcus Aurelius would do. Obviously, a lot is left up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, I found myself able to contrast myself whenever I had a decision, just asking myself the simple question, what would Marcus Aurelius do? Mm. And by doing that, it was a lot easier for me to make the right decisions. And I've noticed a long trail of benefits after doing that intense 28 days of constantly asking myself that question. Yes. And what were some of the routines? I, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen this video, first of all, you need to go watch it. <laughs> Andrew, his channel is, if you just search Andrew Kirby, it's one of the first videos that pop up. But it's 28 days of Marcus Aurelius's routine that you did for yourself. So what were some of the things that you imagined that he would do that you began doing? So the first one that I heard him talk about was voluntary discomfort. Put very simply, putting yourself in a in a position where you're not comfortable, purposefully putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you've talked about this previously. The call about jujitsu. Yes, um, not a lot that can bother you when somebody's trying yeah. to choke you out every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for me, that was sleeping on the floor, just purposefully making myself, even though I didn't want to, and there were days where I just really didn't want to mm-hmm. go and sleeping on the floor, refusing the comfort of your warm bed and, and going and sleeping on the floor, putting yourself in that uncomfortable state, just yes. is your mind for the rest of the day to easily go into that uncomfortable state because you've already done it earlier in that day. Yes. Uh, another one that I did was, which is again, voluntary discomfort was cold showers, which mm-hmm. uh, aside from all of the different health benefits that have been proven for, for cold showers, again, it's simply just doing something that sucks and yes. making yourself do it. 
Um, so that was the same, the same trend of voluntary discomfort. But on top of that, there was also just a simply asking myself the question, what would Marcus Aurelius do? Am I acting virtuously? Am I making the right decision or am I being selfish? Just questions like that going throughout the day, reminding myself constantly that I need to be living a virtuous life really helped me out. Yes. And for somebody like Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor, obviously, in a lot of ways, his life was comfortable, right? He had people serving him. He, he could say something and then it would appear based on whatever their capacity was to deliver on that. So this was a man of, of great power who still understood the value of voluntary discomfort so that he wasn't distorting his perception of self. And how do you think comfort distorts people's perception of reality or of themselves and their capabilities? In modern times, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I feel like nowadays we live in such a comfortable world where anything we want can be given to us. We don't have to hunt; we can get food delivered in two minutes' time. It's the complete yes. opposite thing. We don't even have to go through a, a phase. Well, at least in the UK and uh, other countries, there are some countries where you have to go through mandatory military service. Yes. Aside from just helping the country, what that's doing is it's pushing you out of your comfort zone and it's making you make the transition from a boy into a man. And I yes. feel like that's something that in modern culture we don't have. But mm -hmm. by making yourself go in uncomfortable situations, and maybe that's as simple as a cold shower, or maybe that's something like taking an opportunity to speak in front of a crowd. Yes. By doing that, you're going through the maturation process, which doesn't end at adulthood. See, mm -hmm. I believe that most people think that they go from a child to an adult, and that's when the maturation stage ends. But mm -hmm. stoicism, and I believe that there's another stage after that, you can be an adult, or you can be mature, Mm -hmm. And I believe that going through the comfort is the, the process that you need to take to go from a child to a man to a mature man. Yes. It's, it's interesting that you say that because when I'm on the phone with clients a lot, you know, coaching them in their businesses or whatever the case is, what I notice is that people who are, and maybe you've noticed this too, but people who are, you know, 10, 20, 30 years older than me still have the emotional maturation of like a teenager. I, in certain areas, not in every area of life, but in specific areas of their life. So although somebody chronologically might be a certain age, emotionally speaking, they're quite behind, right? They're still reacting the way that maybe a teenager would uh, when it comes to their relationships or when it comes to the upsets that they have in, in business. And what do you think that process is? Or, or if somebody is still controlled by their emotions, do you think going into that voluntary discomfort or trying at least one of those routines would help them to begin to turn, turn the page on that? Yeah, uh, I think that that's almost the only way. Um, you, like I said, with the, the, the speaking in front of a stage, that would be great. But the problem with that is that that opportunity may come up what once every six months. Yes. Like a cold shower is something that you can do every single day. You're going to not want to do it. You're going to hate it when you're in there. And mm -hmm. on top of that, it's something that you can get a little bit longer. So the first time you have a cold shower, you'll go for what, 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you can go for 15, 20, five minutes, 10 minutes. So until you gradual. Just, yeah. You can, you can just bear a cold shower. It's just like when you go to the gym and you go through the process of progressive overload, mm -hmm. where put simply, you just lift a little bit heavier weight each time. Yes. You, that's something that you can control and you can do it every single day. So every day you can go through part of that 
discomfort, which is the maturation process. So I yes. would advise people to do something like that every day. Yes. I remember when I started doing cold showers and now that we're having this conversation, I'm realizing I'm like, Hey, I need to get back on that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was doing cold showers every single day for the same reason, like putting myself in that uncomfortable situation. Because one thing that at least that I was working on <clears throat> was what was differentiating between my opinions and the facts. So I'd ask myself the question, what's an opinion here and what's a fact? Well, the fact is there is water running on me. My opinion is that this is cold, this sucks, I don't like this. These are all my opinions and I can change my opinions. I can't change the temperature of the water. I mean, I could, but (laughs) if I don't do anything with the knobs, then I'm not changing the temperature of the water. So I can't change what that water means to or how it actually feels on my skin, but I can change what it means to me. And just that exercise, I remember, helped me considerably, not just you know, in a personal sense, but even in a professional sense, right? When you're learning how to deal with that discomfort, you know, you're jump, if you jump on sales calls and you, you don't have a great day, you're able to take that much better than if you were just living in, you know, your air conditioning, hot showers, sleeping in a warm bed all the time without any of that voluntary discomfort. So I I found it really beneficial myself when I did it. That's actually a really interesting way of thinking about it. I've never really thought about like separating what actually is going on to your emotions when it comes to the the, the cold shower. But I guess it's just like reframing the situation to make it one that is on on your side for your goals instead of Yes. Where it's a, a negative situation. I really like that. Correct. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that I, I realized, and, and, it's, and this is just in reading Stoicism, is it, it's not our reality that makes us upset, but it's the opinions and the emotions behind it that make it so. When we get attached to an emotion and we feel, okay, well, the thing that I need to do is satisfy this emotion versus, you know, reframe your thinking most people try to satisfy the emotion. It's, it's not normal or easy to want to just reframe your thinking or, or change the story that's going on in your head. So I, yeah. I, that question, as simple as it is, is this an opinion or is this a fact, has made a, a radical shift in, in my life and the way that I, I deal with everything. So I really like that. Thanks, man. And, and <laughs> practicing it in a cold shower is, <laughs> is, a, is a nice way to do it. Because everything in your head is like, ah, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So if, if somebody were to, you know, think about where their, their, their emotions are at, how could, how could they tell that, you know, maybe this is something that they need? Like, what, what, what do you think some signs are? I mean, it could be somebody just being irritable, but what do you think some signs are that somebody needs to begin to incorporate some voluntary discomfort into their life? I think the first thing is, when negative things do happen and they always will happen, even if it's as simple as it starts raining, Mm -hmm. how do you react to that situation? Because I've been around people that their day will be ruined if it's raining outside. Yes. But you've got to understand you can't control the rain. So you've got an option to either be upset for the whole day or start going about the process of learning to deal with your emotions in a way that's healthy, but still effective at getting you closer towards your goals. So I think that the thing that the indicator that you need to start working on something like this is when you find yourself getting caught up in negative emotions for long periods of times over things that you just can't control. Yes. 
Yes. And, and it's interesting because when you talk to clients, because um, I know you do some coaching as well, it, most people that I interact with when we first start, that thought process of focus on what you can control, let go of what you can't, as simple as that is, it's not been taught to a lot of people. So it's, it's almost foreign to them like, oh, well, what do you mean? And so I, I, can, I always frame it like this, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about this, but we, we avoid responsibility of our own emotions and the way that we feel by engaging in blame. Now, we engage in blame because it's kind of like a shield to our ego. If we blame something else, then it takes the focus off of us. And we can blame one of three things. We can blame people, we can blame events, or we can blame ourselves, all three of which prevent you from being able to take action. Because if you're blaming other people, you're basically saying, well, other people control me, or I'm at the whim of what they think and what they do. If you blame events, you're basically saying like the rain, right? The rain can ruin my day. The outside world determines how I feel and the quality of my life. And if you blame yourself, you're focusing on what you don't have and what you can't control or what you're missing or what you didn't do. So from that state of mind, you're not going to take action anyway. So what, what do you think of the way that people blame in, in those ways? I mean, like how, how do you think that's damaging and how can they go about beginning to take that responsibility? Uh, well, I do agree with you that it is damaging to blame anything. Um, and, and even at times it's damaging if you put all of the blame on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's going to be stuff that happens. And if you can control that thing, then there should be, or if you can't control that thing, then the first step is just recognizing that it's not productive to blame things that are outside of your control. Right. So very simply, those things aren't going to control. So the very first step is just being completely logical and saying, right, there's no point blaming these things. I simply can't control them. Uh, so there's no point me blaming them. And then once you can recognize those things, it's about as quickly as possible when things happen to you, you've got to quickly remind yourself that you should only be blaming or you should only be focusing on the things that you can control. Yes. I think it's a long process that's going to take people multiple days to get into the habit of learning to only focus on things that they can control. And there's no shortcut. It's just very simply when something happens, you remind yourself, can I control this or can I not control this? And when you do that multiple, multiple days, it'll get easier and easier and easier. And then over time, it'll become automatic and you'll yes. just simply be able to recognize, I can't control this. There is no point being emotionally disturbed by it. And when that happens, you'll be completely fine. Yes. Uh, one thing that, that came up as you were saying that, have you ever heard of uh, the guy Dan Harris who created the app 10% Happier? I have not. So Dan Harris, he, he was a news anchor. He had a panic attack on live TV. And this is one of the reasons why he turned to meditation. There's something that he said there about meditation, though, that I always bring into the conversation about controlling your emotions which is he was saying the value of meditation is not in sitting and thinking about nothing or being at total peace and oneness. The value of it is when you're doing that and you start to come off track and you start to ask yourself questions like, oh, should I get a haircut today? What's for lunch? This and that. And you're like, oh, crap, I'm meditating. Let me bring it back to this centered point. Every time you do that, that's the value of meditation. The way that he phrases it, it's like a bicep curl for your brain. So whenever I teach somebody, uh, you know, going into another stoic term, the dichotomy of control from Epictetus, like focusing on what you can control, letting go and embracing what you cannot, whenever I'm explaining that, 
it's, I, I tell them it's not always about being in a perfect state emotionally. It's about recognizing when you are going off course and then correcting it, right? Coming back to some of those questions that we said. So if somebody is having trouble, right? If you were coaching somebody and they, they're like, I'm having trouble controlling my emotions, this and that. I mean, how would you explain the value of kind of falling off the path and getting back onto them? Yeah, I actually probably should have included meditation in my answer a second ago. <laughs> All good, man. <laughs> there is a quote, uh, I can't remember who it is, but it says that man is not disturbed by events, but man is disturbed by his perception of that event. Mm. And in between the event happening and you being disturbed by the event, there is that gap, which is up to you to dictate whether you're going to perceive the event in a way that's going to benefit you. And to make that gap larger, you can just meditate because meditation... Yes. It's exactly what you were saying. Yes. Uh, so the question, what was the question again? Sorry. So if somebody, you know, came to you and they were saying, Hey, listen, I understand I should focus on what I can control, but I, I can't seem to, you know, get my, like, I'm bad at this basically. If they're saying like, I'm bad at this, I can't do it. How would you address that with somebody? Cause I know a lot of people think that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what I would recommend people is to say, when you started walking, mm -hmm. were you crawling or were you walking? Like everyone starts somewhere. It right. doesn't matter where you are on that journey. And in fact, what's more important than where you are now is where your trajectory is. Because there may be some people that at the moment may be completely emotionally sound, but they may have gone through an event where their trajectory is going to go downhill. So it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're just starting your journey or whether you've been on the journey for 10 years. What matters is the trajectory you're going because with time, Mm -hmm. you will overtake the person that's on that downward trajectory. Correct. Yeah, ab absolutely. That, that's a great way of looking at it because what you're doing, at least in my perspective, is you're referencing how this person has done this already in some form in their life Yeah, with something as simple and something they can't deny, like walking, right? They, they started crawling, then they started walking and stumbling and falling, and then eventually they got it, then they could find out how to run. Yeah. So it's the trajectory. I think that's a great point. Um, reminds me of Dr. Joe Dispenza, who also does a lot of meditation work. He said something really interesting on impact theory, right? Um, where he said, you know, when, when something happens in that moment, the emotional feeling you feel, that's a reaction. If you allow that reaction to persist for, you know, a few hours, it becomes a mood. If you allow the mood to persist for days and weeks, it becomes a, a temperament. If you allow the temperament to pursue for months and years, it becomes a personality trait. And then people wonder why they are the way they are when the reality is they probably allowed one emotion to get out of hand mm -hmm. and then found reasons to justify it. So it's, it's, it's going exactly on that trajectory that you were saying that it, you know, it might seem small right now, but if you let that keep going, if you let yourself continue to get hooked by the environment and other people, I mean, there is, there's a path that maybe is not real right now, but it, be, it will become very real before you know it. Yeah. It's just like the, the analogy when if a plane is flying from, well, the one we use is from the UK to Australia mm -hmm. and it's two degrees off. With yes. time, it's going to be in a completely different place. Yes. So I think the way to combat that is to constantly check into yourself and say, am I on the right trajectory? Am I not on the right trajectory? And then just course correcting to make sure you are on the right trajectory. Yes.
Absolutely. Now, on this whole topic of controlling your emotions, I think there is a a way that some people view stoicism who haven't really taken a look at it, where they think that it's toxic because it's about suppressing your emotions. And I even had one of my friends who was listening to my, my podcast that recently came out this, this podcast. And he, he was telling me, he's like, he's like, Hey, like in the podcast, I heard something that, you know, a lot of people are framing stoicism as, you know, toxic masculinity and all this thing. Like, he's like, I think that's bullshit. He's like, so he started asking me about it. So I think the best explanation, I actually sent him your video, was <laughs> stoicism is toxic, that video. So mm-hmm. I would love uh, you know, for some of the listeners to get insight as to what you mean by that. Yeah, so for just a bit of background, the APA and their recent guidelines for, for men, they mm-hmm. said that stoicism was toxic. And to yes. be fair to them, they use stoicism with a lowercase s, yes. which is a huge difference between stoicism with the capital S. Yes, Stoicism with the capital S is referring to the philosophy of stoicism, which is what we've been discussing, mm-hmm. which is completely different to what uh, some people use. Some people mean when they use the word stoic with a lowercase s or stoicism with a lowercase s, yes. where stoicism with the lowercase s is about suppressing your emotions and not showing any emotions and simply bottling up and dealing with them. Whereas the philosophy of the stoicism is the complete opposite of stoicism with the lowercase s, because the philosophy of stoicism is giving tools and it's encouraging you to deal with your emotions in a healthy way. Unlike someone that is just bottling them up. The result, however, is that people that study the philosophy of stoicism come across as having no emotions, but that's just because they've dealt with their emotions in a healthy way. And when I say no emotions, I mean no negative emotions. They're not Mm -hmm. angry. They're not stressed because they've dealt with them in a healthy way. So that's the main difference. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, It's interesting that you say that because sometimes people will almost, if you're calm in a situation where they're freaking out, they'll almost get concerned as to why you're not freaking out. (laughs) And you're like, this is not a problem. It's not a bad thing. I'm not calm. (laughs) I saw this this post yesterday and it said, psychology is uh, not being able to get mad at people because you understand like what they're going through or why they're mad. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting, but I think that's an important distinction for people to have that stoicism with the capital S is actually talking about the philosophy, which really encourages and espouses a virtuous life, right? Living a life of excellent, of, of excellence and doing right by others by always considering the common good of, of those around you. Mm-hmm. So for me, in that sense, it's, it's, very, it's a very solid way to live. But, it, you know, in the other sense, the stoicism with a lowercase s, I, I agree with you. That part is toxic, Right, not allowing yourself to feel things or thinking you need to be a certain way because in that regard, the way that I would describe that to somebody if I saw a client going into to a state like that, I would say they're more attached to the idea of appearing emotionless than they actually are in just controlling their own emotions. Mm. And that attachment is something, you know, th- this is the Zen Stoic podcast. That's, a, that's the part that we talk about with Zen is the, the ability to detach and right. how all suffering comes from that attachment. And basically all your negative emotions come from feeling desire and attachment to, 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 to a specific thing or, or a narrative, um, which 
I've read this, uh, this before as well, which I thought was interesting. And it really made me think, because I always thought the emotion of passion was a good thing. And then I started reading Stoicism. And I remember, I, think, I believe it was a Seneca quote where he says, be free or, or be free from passion, but full of love. So what do you think the impact of being in a passionate state has on somebody? And what are the, what are the negatives of it? Yeah, I think the philosophy of Stoicism, when they talk about uh, being detached to your passions, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weird one because it's very often misunderstood. And even myself, I'm not 100% sure if I really understand exactly what they mm-hmm. mean when they say you need to be detached by your passions. Yes. But what I do understand um, is that when they talk about passions, they're simply talking about emotions that are very intense and mm-hmm. that you should be you should be bringing them down into a state that's manageable because yes, positive emotions and yes, excitement and passion in the way we use it, they're good, but only if you can control them, because if there's an emotion that's dictating your behavior, then they view that as something that's negative to your own because you're acting emotionally instead of logically and rationally. That's Mm -hmm. their argument. Yes. And that, that part I definitely get. Um, because I don't think it's the wor- I don't think it's a bad thing to to ever go into a passionate state. My my thing is like anything else. It's when you overindulge and you allow that passion to dictate your reasoning and make you act beyond rationality. That's when it becomes bad because you can't even hold yourself accountable. At yeah. That point, right. It's just the emotion. It's gotten so much momentum. It's kind of like a fire. Like fire is great. We can cook with it. But if you let that get out of hand, you're going to burn your house down. So passion to me is like that, which is really interesting why people would use the, the, the term like fiery passion whenever they're talking about something really intense. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that that's, that's really important. But basically, you know, if there was three things that somebody who has never heard of stoicism could start with, what would those three things be to help them improve their lives and create more of that mental wellness within themselves. Yeah. So I'm going to go about your question in a way that you may not be actually asking me, but the first Uh, thing I would say say is read meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Yes. Um, It's a great start. It will walk you through pretty much everything you need to know. And the people that have read it, almost everyone, including me have had an an amazing experience, almost like a life changing experience whilst reading it. Yes. The second thing would be to recognize that there are things that are inside of your control and that there are things outside of your control. If you get your emotions caught up with things that are outside of your control, you're going to live a very disturbed life and a life that's going to be dictated by the world around you instead of one where you are in control of your mind and your actions. Yes. Um, And then the third one I would say is like we've talked about earlier, just bringing that separation between events and your perception and just learning and practicing dealing with your emotions in a healthy way, in a, a logical way, in a rational way. Cause then you get your emotions on your side and you're able to reach your goals and aspirations and become a man or, or a woman. Just, I mean like a good person, a virtuous person. And you're able to do that very quickly if you've got your emotions on your side. Yes. Agree with that. 100%. That is, especially coming from somebody who has coached, Hundreds of people over thousands of sessions, I say that is incredibly sound advice. I've given something similar to that. So I, I'm, I'm all about it, man. I think that Thanks. you answered the question fantastically. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. So just before we wrap up, where can they find you? 
I know we mentioned the channel in the beginning, but if there's anything else that you have out there that you want to share on, uh, on this particular interview. Yeah. So the YouTube channel, just very simply Andrew Kirby, but if you're looking for more advice, which you don't get on YouTube where I can dive deeper into a topic, then if you want, you can join my email list, which is andrewkirby.net slash growth. And then there it's for free stuff. And that's where you'll be able to get the most raw content. Yes. And guys, I'll just tell you for those of you who are listening, I've, I've listened to a lot of videos on stoicism. I've read a lot and I have to say this guy is legit. <laughs> Don't let his age fool you because he's got some of the most solid content on stoicism that I've seen. And I, I definitely binge watched a lot of your videos. <laughs> so, so I appreciate you putting them out um, because it's even helped me with my understanding of stoicism. And um, I've already used a lot of what I've learned from you um, to help benefit the lives of, of some of my clients. So I, I sincerely appreciate you being on here and sharing your journey and guys definitely go and visit him. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. If you're curious about stoicism in any sense of the word, this will give you the understanding that you need. So thank you everybody for being on the Zen Stoic podcast. My name is Victor Pierantoni, your host, and make sure to like, share, and subscribe, and leave your comments, leave your feedback. If you guys have any questions whatsoever from myself or Andrew, definitely leave them in the comments here, and we're looking, uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hopefully we can get Andrew on here again as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wait, wait. Before you go to the next podcast, listen. If you want the daily updates, Zen Stoic Mastery page on Facebook. Go like that. And if you want to link up on the Instagram, it's Zen Stoic underscore V.